Hey everyone, Chris Haddon here with Hard Money Bankers with another expert interview. Today we have a friend of mine, actually a, a college buddy, named Nick Waldner of the Waldner Winters Group, or Waldner Winters team at Keller Williams. Nick, thanks for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Good seeing you. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that before, that people probably have um, in the area seen you around in the real estate world, possibly even me a little bit too, but I bet there are a few people out there that knew that we you know, went to college together, started at the same time and all of that. That's right. We were just little peons together. Yes, only a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Um, awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get started. Um, if you wouldn't mind, could you give us a little uh, background just on yourself, where you came from, how you got into this business? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Maryland, born and bred, went to Salisbury, of course, with you. After college, I was uh, always entre entrepreneurial spirit. So I was running with a company called Coldstone Creamery. We were working on the franchises in this area, Maryland, Delaware, D.C., Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Um, growing that business from that, I was doing commercial real estate, moved into residential. Uh, started doing residential after some some kind of uh, pushing from my mom, who's been in the business about 35 years at this point. So I came in, learned the basics of you know kind of how to write the contracts, do all the, the the nitty gritty real estate part of it, and then I started taking it and said, hey, I think we can really create a business. Um, she wasn't as interested in, in building anything with the business as much as she was just about selling her own real estate. So. I told her, all right, well, I'm creating a team and I'm using your name because when I stand in front of a client, I look like I'm 12. So now I can say, oh, we've been <laughs> in the business 30 years. So she said, yeah, whatever you want to do. So I just started growing that about uh, 15 years ago and it's been a been a pretty fun ride. Wow. That's, uh, sounds like it happened pretty quick. How long was it before you started um, you know, just working in real estate, actually closing a transaction or two to saying, all right, that's it. I'm making a full on team. Yeah, so I would say my first year, um, you know, you, you win an award like Rookie of the Year and you start getting really high on yourself about the sales portion of it. And then my second year was all sales, sales, sales. And about my end of my second year, probably into my third year, I think I had my third or fourth girlfriend tell me that all I care about is work and all I'm ever going to do is work and I can't date you anymore because all you want to do is work. And I was like, wow, there's got to be something different out there. I got to start looking at this from a different angle and I knew I want to have kids I want to you know coach the soccer team or coach the lacrosse team or be there for field trips or whatever it may be so I knew that I was going down the wrong path if I continued with just looking at sales so I guess probably three years in I got my first assistant uh, hired her everybody told me I was crazy you're in real estate why do you have an assistant it was uh it was a bit of a struggle. She was terrible because I was terrible. I didn't know what to tell her what to do. I didn't know how to, to work with her. I just, I knew nothing. So that lasted like two or three months. I had a lot of, I told you so. I told you you're in real estate sales. You don't need an assistant. I didn't listen. I hired another one. She was slightly better than terrible because I was still terrible. And by my third or fourth assistant, and these are all like three-month clips, I started to really get it and understand it and started to use leverage a lot more wisely. Okay, so you started with the assistants in the office before you went out for a buyer's agent or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely, because what happens is in real estate, the, the number one p mistake people make is they think, hey, I have more leads and I want know what to do with, so I'm gonna go hire more buyer agents. Well, what happens is you do that, and what are the things that salespeople love doing and what are the things salespeople hate doing? They love meeting with people, closing the deal, getting the contract signed, 
They hate the paperwork, the title work, the inspections, all of the sure. nitty-gritty behind-the-scenes stuff. So I realized that if I could hire somebody to do all the all the transaction coordination, the contracts, the initials, all the boring stuff, if I could get somebody to do that, then I could spoke, focus more of my time into meeting new clients, into you know getting more deals done, taking more clients out. So I started focusing on the things I was good at and started leveraging the things I wasn't good at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we can all relate. Like, every time you bring a new person onto the staff, you're like, oh, how did I ever get by without them, right? Right, absolutely. Um, fast forward a little bit for us, if you could, and talk about when you did start adding um, the buyer's agents and listing agents and, and how it's come and where it is today, the team. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 10 years in, uh, it's myself and an assistant. I'm doing about 14 million, um, working for the same company for those entire 10 years, and I thought I thought I was really doing well. I thought I was kind of making it. Sure. Uh, and it's funny to look back now. So that was 2013. Uh, the next year I did 32 million because I started bringing on team members. I started looking for more leverage. The next year we did 53 million, and this year we're gonna do just about 90 million in sales. And it'll put us as the number one team in the number one office in Howard County, and we'll be doing about double the number two office or number two team in our office. That's amazing. I didn't know you had that kind of stats. I mean, I figured it was definitely something big, but ninety million is a big, big number for a team. Yeah, it's been really cool, and it was it was explosive growth. I mean, that was over the course of three years. We went from fourteen yeah. million to to ninety million, and next year, you know, we have our sights put on two hundred million. Wow. That is some explosive growth. That is pretty phenomenal. Um, I'm sure there are a ton of things that went into that kind of growth happening, but what's one or two things that you would attribute that kind of growth to? Um, I think I think they're really simple. One is absolutely using leverage the way it was designed. Every single person on our team, their job is built around what they're good at. So if you're one of those people that are highly organized, that can you know follow that uh, that system or that model and loves to do that, we have a place for you. If you're really good people person, you love the sales aspect and you want to get out there and mix it up and you can get lots of clients, we have a position for you. So if we can keep everybody in what they're best at 90% of their day, then they're gonna explode in their potential and it's also gonna make the team explode. We also have some amazing training systems that we've uh, developed over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and it's really about just growing, 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 growing. Have you gotten into using uh, personality tests when you're hiring people and putting them in the right job? I would never hire without them. <laughs> I so, I mean, say that. Whether, you, whether you see the DISC, the ABA, the KPA, like the Briggs and I mean anything you can think of, I've already been it. I've I've probably gone to five or six classes on each one of them. I mean I'm I've really made that uh, a, a part of what we do, and I've become an expert at it. And now I have six or seven people on my team that they're on that same journey where they have to learn these things, and we talk about different personality profiles with everyone we hire and every client we work with. Yeah, I feel like uh, every day here in our office, Jason and I are talking about, we, we use DISC mainly, mm -hmm. and obviously it's very, very useful for hiring people, but it comes up just in regular conversations, just when people we know, and like it, it starts like getting into other um, aspects of life. I've used it for capital raising, just all kinds of great stuff. Don't tell my wife, but I use it on her. I'm thinking, oh, that's right, she's a big S. I gotta make sure I change how I say that, or you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a DI, so I'm driving right through, but I also like to be really social, and I have to 
dial that back and I know how to ask her things. I know how to, you know, kind of work the system a bit. For sure. It's a great hack. <laughs> um, okay. So since we got into the, the topic of education and all of that, I've noticed just from seeing you on social media and everything else um, that you've been very, very into coaching mastermind stuff, an awesome area of business that I think not nearly enough real estate agents get into. Yeah, so I mean, it, this is a stat. Now that we're doing our un, end of the year numbers, I just looked at my P and L, and I'm going to spend about twenty six thousand dollars on education this year, and that's my own personal education. So that includes having a coach. My coach is fifteen hundred dollars a month, so I meet with him four times a month for thirty minutes. Now, when you add that up and you count that, how much I'm paying him per minute? I'm really focused on making sure that time is valuable and also really focused on making sure he's adding a lot of value when we're meeting. I fly all over the country. I, I meet with uh, Gary Keller. I'm, I'm blessed to be in his group where he has he has 155,000 agents and he has about 100 of us that he's handpicked to meet with four times a year. Just a great guy worth billions who is able to sit down like, you know, 10 feet away and have conversations about business and growth and family and that's been transformational. Um, I'm flying to Whistler, Canada uh, next month. Uh, there's this group called GoBundance. It's an absolutely awesome, hard charging. We do a lot of like backcountry skiing or mountain biking or fly fishing during the day and then we do a lot of mastermind and work at night. Greatest thing about that group is it's not just real estate. So I'm working with hard money guys like yourself, commercial guys, uh, guys that built tech companies, uh, sure. investment bankers, hedge fund owners. Like It's a little bit of everything which gives you a much bigger perspective because I do a ton of real estate masterminding and it's great to get outside of that and see how other businesses are run as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've had experience both inside and outside of our industry and, and it, it's all valuable in different ways. Yes, areas. absolutely. I was going to ask about your business coach. Is that industry specific or general yes. business? Yes. So he's industry specific. It's it's He's built for real estate. So of Gary's top 100, uh, my coach coaches I think 72 or 74% of those top 100. So when he's working with me, he's also working with the other top agents around the country. When I had, a, and I think it's really important that you pick your coach just as much as your coach picks you. I had a coach um, for four or five years, and I think we outgrew each other. As my business increased, sure. increased, increased, I realized that I wasn't getting the same value, so then I changed coaches. My next coach I had for, I think, three calls, maybe two calls. I just, I knew right away it wasn't worth my time and energy. So then I went back and said, okay, and I started asking around who's the number one coach, who's the number one coach found this guy who, again, coaches all the top agents throughout the country, called him up, he told me his schedule's full, he's really sorry, he's not gonna fit me in. 45 or 50 minutes later in that same conversation, I just wouldn't get off the phone with him, he finally said, you know what, Nick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some room for you, we're gonna figure this out. And he's, I've been coaching with him for about a year, year and a half now. Nice, yeah, I've had some similar experiences when it comes to coaching. One, um, I had the same coach for three or four years and he said at the beginning that this thing is going to run its course. It's gonna, Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's going to come a time where, uh, you know, I know everything about your business. You've heard everything I have to teach. And, you know, we'll probably decide to wrap it up. And it was funny because that, that did happen about three years later. And he was kind of pissed about it. It was like, well, what do you mean? It's <laughs> like, you said this is going to happen. Yeah, you, um, you outgrow. I mean, think about it. When you're, think about it in sports. When you're in high school, 
your coach is not going to help you in college. When you get to college level and then you get to the pros, like every coach goes up and up and up in skill. It also goes up and up in price. You know, you can have a coach for two to five hundred dollars a month or up to fifteen hundred, two thousand, twenty thousand. Even even Gary, Gary Keller, his coach I think he pays twenty or twenty five thousand a month for. Yeah. And that's like, a that's a quality coach, or it better be. Yeah, I mean, there's people who are paying Tony Robbins seven figures to coach them. Exactly. Uh, it, goes, it goes all the way up. And that, that's always been surprising to me. We talk about coaching a lot, and we think about it a lot. Um, that throughout life, even starting as a kid, like you have teachers, you have you know sports coaches, uh, you know religious people, everything else. And as adults, like you have, I don't know, like a yoga teacher or a personal trainer. Like yeah. you, you have the stuff in every aspect of life, but so many business people say, no, nah, when it comes to business, I don't need a coach. Like I, I need a coach for everything, but the one super important thing, your livelihood, I'm, yeah. good, I'm good there. I got it. And, and so I'll go one more. I think there's two areas in our lives that people make mistake and they don't have someone that they work with. I think it's not only in your business life, but in your personal life. Like, who's ever taught you how to be a great husband? You know, whoever teaches you communication between a couple or, or how to raise the kids or, you know, we, we, uh, we read books all the time. If I told somebody, how many sales books have you read? You know, they're going to put their hand up there. Oh, this one, they're going to name me 50 of them. If I say how many leadership books have you read, that number goes down dramatically. So I think that as we grow in life, sales is important at first, but then you have to start looking at building a business. You need to start looking at, um, you know, leadership opportunities and same thing with relationships. Like look for ways that your partner and you can grow in a relationship and really grow in terms of growing your communication styles, growing the way you want to raise your kids, you know, talking about all the things. Coaching is just being accountable. It's, it's having a set time every single week that you spend time improving on whatever it is you're looking at, whether that's your personal trainer, your yoga instructor, your dietitian, your business coach, your you know, relationship coach, whatever it is. It's just about putting that time in every single week to get better. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely like what you're saying about relationships and personal stuff. I made a note on that. And you know, for a lot of people who are afraid of coaching, I mean, I think it just makes things so much easier in that there's a roadmap. And for the most part, you just have to follow it. There's going to be some stuff that's individual to you, and that's that's great. But if you want to learn how to dance salsa, just learn how to dance salsa from someone who knows how to dance salsa. You don't just move around until you randomly end up doing salsa. Yeah, and think about that in business. How many people say, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to go up and develop this business. I mean, let's be honest. People have done it before us, and they've done it at a high level. If I spend all that time trying to do it myself rather than just grabbing what they did and copying it, 98, 99% of what I do, I got it from somebody else. I learned it from somebody else. I built it from somebody else. I borrowed it from somebody else. I stole it from somebody else. And that's the way business works. That's why I'm an open book and I'm willing to give or share anything I do because nothing of it is mine. It's all a <laughs> compilation of everything I've learned. Right. No, and it's just how you apply it and being consistent with it and all of that. So I, I definitely agree. And Exactly. For people who, you know, a lot of people are afraid of coaching for the reason that they don't want to be pushed too much or that it, it, it's intimidating in certain ways. And I honestly think it's the opposite yeah. I think that it's intimidating to go around blind. So. Well, the, the number one thing people need in coaching is accountability. And the number one thing they actually want is accountability. But the idea of having somebody hold you accountable sounds terrible. 
you know, not being able to eat what I want, having to work out and do the workout that's prescribed or going, like none of that sounds good, but you want the results, right? So if you want the results, eat right. If you want the results, go to the gym. If you want the results in business, get a coach and follow a plan. Absolutely agree. Good, good stuff there. Um, switch gears here for a minute and start firing some more questions at you. And yeah, shoot. I, I definitely, definitely like where it's all going. Um, talking about working on in, improving your game and your and yourself and your skills and everything else. What's one skill that you don't have that you wish you had? Um, I am an idea guy. I'm not an implementer. So I, I come back from all of these different trips all around the country, all around the world, wherever I'm traveling. And I have 20 new ideas where I can make $10 million. Every single day I come back with a great idea. It's a great idea in my mind. Doesn't mean it's a great idea. So what I realize is I have books and books and books of notes that I've taken of all these great ideas that I want in my business, that I want done, that I want included, that I want in my systems or whatever it may be. And I realize that that's not my strength. My strength is going out and finding the vision. I can draw it on a whiteboard. I can give you the basics, but I can't get down to the details of how it's actually implemented and how it's actually run every day. So there's a book called um, uh, Rocket Fuel. And it talks about the difference between a visionary and an implementer and how important it is in business to have both. So understanding who you are in any business. Are you the implementer that you love to grab those things, create a system, put that system to, to some stress and then adjust it and fix it as it goes? Or are you the one that wants to come with the idea or the vision of where we're going in the company or the business or the structure? structure and then you let somebody else build it. So. One of the things you ask is, is what am I not good at? I'm not good at implementing. I went out, I found somebody who's absolutely incredible at it. We've partnered, he, he's absolutely vital to running my business and now when I come back with my 30 ideas or 10 ideas, we sit down, I dump everything out, I write all over the right whiteboard, I get all excited and then he says, all right, number three and number 16 are awesome ideas, we're gonna go with those. The rest of those, I don't know about that. And I have to respect that because if I gave, if I have 20 and he's not there, I'm not doing any of them. Right. I'm just excited about all 20. If I come back with 20 and he looks over and finds two that are absolutely great and starts putting them in process, it changes everything about our business, everything about our team. Hmm. That's a really interesting position for a real estate team. What, what, what do you call that person or position? Um, so you could call it any director of operations, okay. um, you know, COO, you know, any of that stuff, any of that stuff works. It's the title is really tough because different person's going to call it a different person. It's really just an implementer. It's really just somebody that understand that that's their job. My job is to come back and dump it all. Your job is to tell me what actually will work and then put it in process. And then in 30 days I come back to you and say, okay, we talked about this, where are we? And then they show me everything they created and I'm really good at going in and saying, okay, twist this, move this, let's do this, let's take this out, let's add this to it. So I can go in and manipulate something that's already built, but if you ask me to build it from scratch, I'm terrible at it. I don't have, I don't have the patience or the time to put into it. Interesting, okay, no, that's, that's really good stuff. Um, okay, so in the process of running your team, doing your sales, everything else, to education, what does a typical day or week look like for you? So my days are pretty structured. Um, one of the things is just being time blocked to know exactly what I need to do when. So typically I'm in the office from 
around 7:45, 8 a.m. I'm there till about 3:30 or 4:30 every day, Monday through Friday. I don't work weekends. I don't work nights. And I know that's weird for a real estate agent to say, but that was my plan. My remember all those girlfriends who told me that I work too much. Sure. I took that to heart. I knew I had to change. So now I've developed a system where I've leveraged that so I'm not doing that every day. So anyway, so my day comes in. I'm typically either coaching, whether it's uh, people on my team or, or people around the country. I think when you become a coach, it makes you better in terms of everything because instead of just understanding how to do it, you have to explain it to somebody else. It makes you better at it. Um, I do a ton of interviewing. So everything for me is growth. So 50% of my day is looking for or sitting down with people, going over the personality profiles, interviewing them, trying to see who would be a good add to our, uh, our system. Then the other half is looking at our systems and seeing how we can tweak it, how we can change it, what can we do, You know, are we changing our CRM because we found a really good one compared to what we've been using, did we outgrow something, let's look at the P&L, are we advertising somewhere that we actually are getting a great ROI and we need to invest more money there. So it's really just looking at the business aspects of it. I don't work with any buyers, don't work with any sellers. So you're I've, completely out of transactions. Yep, don't do any transactions because it's not my strong point anymore. I don't have the patience for it. I'm just, there's other people that have been trained and they do it every single day and they don't have anything else on their plate but that. If I'm working with you to sell your house, you call me on Tuesday. Between Tuesday and Friday, I have 50 things I'm doing and the last thing I'm thinking about is your house to sell. So I found people, trained them, and now they're better salespeople than I was before. So now my clients get better service, they get better uh, expertise, and they always have me in the background if they would ever need anything. Yeah, of course, of course. No, that's great. I mean, so few agents ever get to the point where they're just managing the operations. Like you said, you're working on half growth, half operations. Yeah, which is absolutely. Pretty similar to us, too. I mean, we still do have in our own lending company and the other stuff we're doing, we, we have a certain amount of transactional work to be done. Yeah. But so much of it is growth operations all the time. Yeah, just learning how to get better. And my agents now are so much better than I was then. So it's, a, it's an improvement for everybody. Where do you see the team being in five years? Five years, we're going to be in uh, 16 locations by then, and they're going to be pretty much take a take a dot in Baltimore and go out 45 minutes in every direction. Um, we're going to have different locations for the for the sales force all around the Baltimore metropolitan area: Annapolis, Frederick, you know, down in Bethesda, all that stuff. And then after that, we're going to start moving towards D.C., Northern Virginia, and Philadelphia. Wow. So 16 locations inside of five years is the plan. Yes. And yes. It's out, you could tell that you've done this planning before because that's a pretty specific number for that time frame. So yeah. You, been... you could actually ask me any year in the next 10 years, uh, show me your org chart and show me your business model for every year for the next uh, 10 years. And I could pull that out and show you, okay, in 2019, we're gonna have these positions, this is where we're gonna be, these are the locations we're gonna be in. In 2021, this is where we'll be, and I'll have it all broken down. That's part of what I do on a daily basis. Like I work on the vision of the company because I can speak very intelligently about exactly where we're gonna be if I've already worked that on paper and I already have it exactly in front of me. It's very hard to vision your company five or 10 years from now unless you've done the specifics. 
okay, if we sell 1,346 homes, how many agents do we need? How many admin do we need? How many, you know, all the things that go into that number, you have to work all those out so then I know exactly how many ISAs does that mean? How many transaction coordinators on the buyer side, on the listing side? Uh, you know, how many runners do we need? How many different offices is that? All that stuff has to be has to be worked out mentally before you could ever get there. So I'm just building the plan that I then go to follow. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I mean, uh, of course, I've uh, been through the process of planning way out into the future with numbers and, and some other metrics and that stuff. But an organizational chart going it, all the way out is uh, that's the first time I've heard that, I think. So do exactly what you just said. You have all the numbers. So what does that look like? If you're going to and I don't know your business all that well, but if you're going to lend a hundred million dollars, how many people do you need to, to manage that? How many different positions do you need you know, to, to manage everything that goes along with that amount of money? And then you go to the next one, okay, and, and 120 million, 150 million, 200 million. I'm just using random numbers because I don't sure. know your numbers, but sure. that's what you do. And then and you break it down and you say, okay, if you said, Nick, how do you sell 5,000 houses? I'm gonna say, okay, if my average agent sells 42 houses, and of those 42, for every three agents, I need a transaction coordinator to handle that part, and, and I start breaking all those numbers down, I can tell you exactly what it would look like. Wow, yeah, very, very specific. I like that a lot. A um, Couple other quick things, and, th and then we'll, we'll get towards the wrap up here. Okay. Um, a lot of our audience is real estate investors, Definitely yes. a, a lot of agents too, but in, in our world, we're mainly lending um, debt or doing some equity stuff with real estate investors, either you know with them or on our own projects. Have you done some investing yourself? I have. So we've done some uh, we've done some flips. We've done some flip and holds. Uh, it's not my strong point. It's something I'm working on this year. Uh, I'm obviously in a class for it because that's what I do. I'm all about education. Oh, yeah. So nice. I went out, I sought after somebody who uh, flipped about 100 homes last year. He lives out in California. I've been working with him over the last three or four weeks to kind of understand his business, understand his business models, and look at bringing that into an arm of our business. Um, I'm not dying to flip a lot of homes myself, but what I do want is I want to build a passive arm to the business that my agents can be a part of. So all of a sudden, if I have 20, 30, 40 agents that are out on the street every day, if they find a property that would be a good fit for that, I want to be able to put that together, have a crew to have to go out and, 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 uh, and work on the house and get it all done, and give that agent an opportunity to make passive income off of that, that lead that they found. So now all of a sudden, I'm allowing my agents to sell, but I'm also giving them passive opportunities so they can boost their time back and they can look for ways that they can grow their business without just sales. Hmm, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. Get, getting more into the investing stuff, not only for your own portfolio, but also to add another income stream or another opportunity for the agents on your team. It's, mo it's I'd cool. say 90% it's for, the, it's for the agents. I have a little bit of passion behind it, but it's not my driving force. My passion is how to make them uh, live the life where they can be the coach or they can go to the, uh, um, you know, the, the school that day or they can be there with their kids or whatever it may be. That's, that's, I'm more passionate about that. Very cool. No, no, very, very cool thing. And I'm, as you see, I'm scribbling down some notes furiously because I'm learning some good stuff here. Good. Um, one last thing, Nick, before we let you go. Um, I saw you on TV. How'd that come about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I got a call from, uh, I can't remember 
one of the one of the home shows and they asked me if I would do an episode my first home I think it was and it's a local it's a it's a local per episode show so they go to a different spot all over the country they pick one local agent and that eight that agent shows three houses and then they end up choosing one of the houses and yay they won and then they move on so every show is a different agent so they called me and they asked me I said yeah that'd be great advertising why not I went and I did it it was fun it was you know exciting whatever Finished up the episode. The episode aired. It ended up being the number one episode of the season. It had more viewership than any anything else they had done. So I got a call from the uh, producer in California who said, "Hey, Nick, your episode was great. We really liked you on camera. You know, have you ever considered doing a TV show?" So my first thought was, "Who is this? Is this a joke? Uh, <laughs> stop right. screwing around with me." And ended up being the producer out in, in LA. He's a great guy. I'm friends with him to this day. So. He said, "I'm going to call you in six months with an idea, and you know, let's get something going." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." Forgot about the call and focused on business. He called me six months later. He said, "We're going to do a show about you flipping houses. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be really exciting." And I was like, "Joe, I don't, I don't flip anywhere near as many houses to make a TV show." And he's like, "All right, I'll call you in six months." Six months later, he called me again. He's like, "We're gonna do a show about your real estate team and all the drama, and we're gonna have stuff when they go when it goes wrong, and your crazy clients, and when there's fighting between the teammates." And I was like, "Joe, that's, that's, that's not the world I live in. My team is great. My my clients are great." So I I passed again. He's like, "You're a pain in the ass." So he called me back six months after that, and he said, "All right, waterfront house hunting. We'll send you all over the country, and you help people find waterfront property. What do you think?" Yeah, I could do that. So yeah. I said, "Yeah, why not?" So um, we 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 shot uh, we shot the uh, first episode, started shopping around to the networks, and hoping to get seven to seven or eight episodes for the first season. It got picked up by FYI, which is a uh, an A and E station. They picked up fourteen episodes, which was twice what we thought we were going to get. They flew me all around the country. I shot in twelve different states over the course of about four months. Uh, it was an amazing experience, a lot of fun. I was on the road like 26 out of tw- out of 30 days every single month for four months. It was yeah. a it's lot heavy. of hotel meals, a lot of you know waking up in random cities. It was a lot. So we finished up. Show went well. We got great numbers. We we're the number one real estate show in the 18 to 34 demographic. So all all big positives. The network came back and said it was incredible. We want to pay you more. We're going to double your salary per episode, and we want to double the number of episodes. We want you to do 28 episodes. I was definitely blown away. Didn't expect that. Was you know just kind of shocked by the whole thing, and I just started to realize 28 episodes meant I'm going to be traveling for probably nine or even 10 months, 26 days a month or 26 days out of the month, and it was that's a lot. That's I was newly newly engaged, was getting married in September, so I literally would have started and finished around August and then got married in September. So, hey, will you be my wife? All right, I'll see you in a year. I'll see you in a year. I'll see yeah. you at the wedding. <laughs> so, so this is where having a coach really makes a huge difference. So it was something I wrestled with, and I went to my coach, and I said, you know, hey, I'm getting this great opportunity. That, you know, they're doubling everything. They're doubling the episodes. It's going to be a lot more of a financial windfall. It's going to be a lot more fun. I've gotten the hang of it. And then he said, all right, well, why are you calling me? What, what's going on in your mind? And we started talking about my five-year vision, my 10-year vision. What did that look like? And it wasn't 
to become a TV star or a household name or any of that nonsense. My whole dream was to build a business, a leveraged business that I could work in, not or work on, not in, right. and that I could have my freedom, my time, and I could develop a system that, that really worked for me and allowed me to be there to have kids, to be there for school, and all the other stuff I talked about tonight. So that was my driving force. So I, I, I called the uh, producer back and I said, Joe, I got to tell you, this has been an amazing year. Can't thank you enough. It's, it's on my bucket list. I'm checking it off. I'll tell my grandkids about everything, but I'm going to pass on the second season. And he was like, what are you talking about? You're insane. <laughs> no, you're just thinking it. And he called me like three, four, five times over the next week and tried to convince me. But because I had a vision of where my life was going and what I wanted for it, the TV angle and the ego part of it couldn't persuade me to go down that way. And I stuck with what I truly wanted and what I truly envisioned in myself five and ten years from now and ended up turning it down. And it was very hard to do because ego was screaming at me. You're sure. on TV. You're on TV. Go do it. And I just – but it wasn't me. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. So we parted ways. Um, he's called me twice since then and said, you know, hey, let's think of some other ideas. Let's get you on TV. Um, I got another phone call about two weeks ago with about another show that they want me to do. So I don't know if it's done and completely out of my life, but I don't want to do a show that has me on the road 26 days uh, a month for any extended amount of period of time. Do you think you would have ended up doing season two without the advice of the coach? Probably would have done the show. Huh. Probably would have stressed my relationship. Probably right. would have uh, been very frustrated and upset being on the road. I would have been lonely. It would have been it would have been a massive hit for me because I wasn't f being true to myself. I was following. I'd be following my ego. So having somebody to sit there and talk this all through, and then when we said, okay, five years from now, what does it look like if you're in TV? Five years from now, what does your business look like if you stay in real estate? Right. And doing that and going through those exercises. It just made my vision so much clearer of where we were going that it was not even a question. Without a coach, I never would have been able to do that. Great story. I didn't know a lot of those details. I think it's been a little too long since we caught up. Um, <laughs> good stuff, though, man. Congrats on everything you have going on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Like this is this is a great program. There's always good stuff you can get out of all the all the people that that come on here. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, thanks for taking the time. And where can people find you, follow you, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook, all you know, all the Instagram, all that. It's always Nick Waldner, so that's easy to find. Um, my I have one of our websites, failforwardfriday.com. Big passion of mine about you know learning from your mistakes, being okay, like giving yourself permission to make mistakes because that's how we learn. So failforwardfriday.com. That's a great website to go on. See a bunch of stuff about. Uh, the concept, my team, and just the reason why we kind of live through that. Uh, and then I have a podcast as well, so that, that'll get populated on there as well. It's called FailForwardFriday.com. That I haven't put as much time and energy into lately, but that, that'll get re, uh, reinvented in 2017, so there'll be some pretty cool stuff coming from that. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, thanks yeah. again. Hey, thank you. Take and you guys care. have a great day. See you later. All right. See ya.